Amen, amen. Amen. Good morning. Good morning. I'm excited. I got something for you today. I'm excited. Amen. 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 All right. All right. I got two quotes from Smith Wigglesworth this morning. I want you to just uh, get that. First thing he was always known for, for saying, Smith Wigglesworth, he says, I want you to help you decide that by the power of God, you will not be ordinary. Okay, that was for one of you. Second thing he was known for saying is, God God can so fill a man with his spirit that he can laugh and believe in the face of a thousand difficulties. Come on, somebody say amen. And then this last quote is just for two or three of you. You've been assigned this mountain to show others that it can be moved. Receive that. If that's you, say, now I understand. Father, we thank you for your word, God, which does not return void. We thank you for the anointing that's already on your word. We know, God, that it is, it is ready to plant itself in good ground. It's ready to grow. It's ready to spring forth. It's ready to bear fruit. Father, help us to be that good ground today. Amen. Amen, amen. We've been walking through a series titled Supernatural and just with the goal of of bringing us to the realization that God is in everything. Say amen. There's a supernatural component of all of life when we realize that there's such a powerful awakening in us that we would no longer be ordinary. It's as, it's as simple as acknowledging, just like evil is all around. How many of you can say, yeah, evil is all around? Just watch the news one day. Just pick up one newspaper. Evil is all around. But, but the fact that if, if people could do evil things, if we can even define and label something as evil, it stands to reason that there's something by which we can judge evil by. Amen? There's another side then. If, if the darkness is actually defined as the absence of light. So you, you, you can't turn on darkness. How many of you, you understand that? You can't turn on darkness. You can't make dark darker. You can't make dark less dark. I'm sorry, that made you sad. Darkness can only be measured by the amount of light. See, when I was a, when, when I was, um, a little bit younger... I used to be terrified of the dark. I've, I probably shared this story once before, but I'm going to tell you again. A lot of kids are scared of the dark, but I was already a little too old to be scared of the dark. Like 16. 
It was old. I was old. I was too old to be scared of the dark. But I was, uh, I, I was scared. See, because my, growing up, there was always this, this darkness around me. I always had to wrestle with this darkness that troubled me as a young person. And then getting mixed up in the occult, forget about it. That just made me terrified of the dark. Uh, of the dark. It's funny. When you partner with darkness, you're afraid of the dark. But when you walk in the light, the darkness can't shake you. Amen? Isn't that crazy? When you partner with darkness, you, you're in the occult, you're doing wicked things. You partner with darkness, you're scared of the dark. But when you walk in the light, the darkness can't shake you. Amen? So anyway, I was, I was scared almost every night. And, and um, <clears throat> my mother used to stay up with me and we used to watch The Odd Couple and The Honeymooners. I just made myself very old. The, it was at 11 and 11.30, I think. You remember that? You old, bro. And so I, I knew whenever the, uh, the honeymooners was finishing, or the, it was time for me to go to bed, and, and I'd start getting anxiety, and I'd start getting nervous. I knew this was time for the lights to get shut out. Like in my house, we didn't play with the night lights, leave the TV on. We didn't play with none of that. Everything is off. Adumil, adumil, everything off, Right? And so I knew at that time I, I would get really scared. And so it, it, was, it got to the point I'd be in bed, I'd be sweating, I'd get nervous, I'd got sweating more, I'd feel things move around in the room, I'd, I'd, I'd now, you know, your mind starts playing tricks with you. And, and, and then, you, you know, when you're paralyzed with fear, you're scared to move because, you know, if you move, something's going to grab you. Yeah, anybody know that fear? This was every night for me. And so then at one point, I, at one point every night, I would get to the point where I couldn't take it anymore, and I'd start to call for my father. My, we lived in a, in, a, in a railroad apartment, you know, so it goes right through. So to, you pass my room to get to my, my parents' room. So it was literally, literally, I'm lying here, and literally my father and mother are lying right there with just one little, you know, wall. But they're, they're that close. Not like upstairs, downstairs. We lived in the city. So it would come a point where... I just couldn't take it anymore, and I started, puppy. Because, like, I wanted my father to hear me, but I didn't want the darkness to hear me. <laughs> you know when you're that scared? Puppy. Puppy. And then I get a little bolder. Puppy. Pa. Puppy. Until the point where I woke him up. Now, my father had to be at work at 5 in the morning. So I'm waking him up at 12 o'clock, 12.30. Puppy. And, and it would, it, it, I would keep on until finally my father would wake up. And he'd yell at me words I, I don't want to share here um, in Spanish. But when I heard my father's voice, I could rest. He didn't comfort me. I, I, I'm not trying to, like, he said, oh, papito, everything's going to be okay. Don't worry. Tranquilo. Pa. None of that. He, he let me know that that was a bad thing to do for me to call him in the middle of the night. He was not, he was not. But, but, but knowing he was there gave me peace in the darkness. When I knew my father was there, awake and attentive to my cries... I, I had peace. He didn't even change the situation. 
He didn't put the lights on. He didn't come and, and let me go, you know, a big 17-year-old going to sleep in his bed. He, he didn't change the situation. But knowing my father was there, I found peace. See, the supernatural life is about walking in the assurance and confidence that daddy is awake and attentive to our cries. That he's present in the midst of whatever darkness surrounds you. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because, because you comfort me. There's peace in knowing that the Father's there. Amen? And so what, what I'd what I like to do with, with you this morning, I want to show you through the scriptures how throughout history, Throughout the history of the people of God, whether they felt it or not, whether they acknowledged it or not, whenever they got to their problem, God was already there. Whenever they got to their mountain, God was already in the mountain. Whenever they got to their struggle, God was in the struggle. When they got to their bondage, God was in the bondage. When they saw their issues, God was in their issue. Their hard times, God was in their impossible situations. God was in the, whenever they faced their insurmountable opposition, God was already there. I came to tell somebody today, he's already there. He's already there. I'm going to kind of go into the Old Testament so we can catch up with God's people in a time when they were doing well. How many know when you're doing well, we don't cry out to God too much? Right? It's sad, but it's true. There's some people, and this is sad, but, you know, don't be offended. There's some people that when I see you in church, I know it's because something's going wrong in your life. Because when all is gravy and chicken biscuits, then I don't see you. You're, you're MIA. That empty seat next to you right now is somebody that's doing well. Somebody that chose this morning, I, I can meet God at the beach. It's 90 degrees. I can meet God. God can, I can worship. I can worship at, at, at the park. I can worship at the picnic this morning. I don't, I don't have to. I, and, and it's not, you know, I'm not being judgmental or legalistic or whatever. You do you, but, you know, I'm going to do what God wants me to do. Amen? So, so we, we, we pick up the story of God's people in the book of Exodus. And it's, and it's after a great famine had come and, and, and shook the land and, and a, you know, a lot of bad things. But in the middle of that struggle, God was already there, right? God had already prepared a, a Joseph to be raised up. God had already prepared a Joseph to, be, to go through, I mean, insurmountable opposition, to go through hard time. I mean, imagine you got a lot of brothers and they want to kill you. Imagine you got brothers and they sell you into slavery, Imagine you don't do nothing wrong there and you get put in prison. You get accused of rape. Imagine all, all these things that happen. We, you know, that's a whole other Bible study, the story of Joseph. But God had already prepared to rescue God's people f- through this famine that was going to come. 
And so God had given Joseph a plan to survive the famine and a position. He was second to the Pharaoh in Egypt now. God gave him a position to be able to bring all his people. You know, like when you get a job in, in, a, in a place and you want to bring all your homeboys, you want to bring everybody? Come on. I got you. I'm in now. I, I'm in on this company now. I got you. Come on. Send me your resume real quick. I, I got you. I got you. Come on. I'm in. So, so God put Joseph in a place where he was able to bring all God's people to endure the famine. So they were doing good, right? So, so we can look through, through uh, you know, this story and see how God was already there before this thing happened. And as a matter of fact, that's a good challenge for, for us this week, you know, should you, should you want to cr- crack a, a book in the Bible and you kind of want to read a story. In every story that you read from now on in the Word, look at it and examine and see how before the thing hit the fan, realize how God was already there. That's a good challenge in your Bible study. Make, make it fun. Make it, um, make, make it come alive, right? Find out how God was already there. We can look through every story and that means... You know, for God's people, that which is us, everything we go through, we can find that God is already there. God has already uh, has a plan and a position for our provision. Somebody say amen. So now God's people are living in Egypt and they're doing well. And they're doing really well. It says they're growing. They're becoming a strong nation. But time passes and um, Joseph dies and the Pharaoh that that was favorable to Joseph, he dies, and so a new, a new king takes over that doesn't know Joseph and doesn't have any agreements with the people of God. He takes over, and all he does, he comes and he sees, man, these Hebrews are doing really well. They're growing a lot. There's too many of them. They're doing too well. <clears throat> and so he has fear that they would maybe rise up one day and take over. So he says, let's enslave them the new king says let's take all these hebrews that are living in our land that are doing well they got good jobs they got good connections let's enslave them let's make them slaves and and then then and then work them really really hard and make their lives difficult and but but how many know when you when you come against god's people god's people don't shrink they spread amen and so they start doing even better. So the Pharaoh, get, he fears that, man, these guys are going to get strong enough to take over, to join one of our enemies. And so this is what we're going to do. He orders the midwives every time that the Hebrew people have a male child, he orders the midwives, kill the males. Say, that's, that's drastic, right? But that's a way, how many know that by controlling the men, you control the strength Oh, that's a whole other message. By controlling the, the, the male population of a people, you, 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 uh, you limit the strength. And so the, the, they told the midwives, have kill every male child. But the midwives were Christians. They, were, they feared God. They were Hebrew. They, 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 they said, we're not going to do that. We'd rather fear God than fear you. So we're not going to listen. So they made a bunch of excuses. They say, oh, no, by the time the babies are born, the, you know, these Hebrew women are so strong. By the time the babies are born, we, when we get there, they're already born. So we can't, like, kill them. Because the, the deal was to, like, in, in delivery, like, take them and kill them. And then say, oh, you know, it, it didn't make it. Ugly, I know. But so, so they, didn't, they didn't listen to the, to the Pharaoh. And, and um, they, they got in trouble. And, but, but God blessed them. 
right? God blessed them. And so, so the, the Pharaoh got, got he, he, you know, he, he got even more upset and he said, that's it. He called all of his people and he said, kill every firstborn Hebrew child, male, every male Hebrew child. If they're born, throw them in the Nile. Now imagine living in times knowing that if you had a boy, which is what you prayed for in that culture because only the boys could work, only the boys can provide, only in that culture the, the, the boys were, were what you needed to survive the family. So imagine it, living in a culture in a time where if you knew that you had a boy, he was going to get thrown in the Nile. Can you imagine just the savagery of having a baby and having it thrown in the Nile and just... For it to drown, to die. And so now the scriptures tell us that many years later, God's people cry out to God. If you read the book of Exodus and and through that history, I, I don't know why it took so long. But many, many years later, that means they've been enslaved they started killing all their babies, their, their, their males. And later, many years later, they start crying out to God. I don't know why it took so long. Maybe it's like some of us today, we, we try everything else before we come to God. Amen? We try everything. We call the naturalista and, and get the pills that are black markets or take that. We'll, we'll do everything else before we realize that, man, God is the only thing I can come to and we got to come to God. Maybe, maybe it was that. But for whatever reason, many years later of this hard slavery and this affliction and this oppression and the sacrifice of the kids, they call out to God. And we read in Exodus 3, God is telling Moses through a burning bush, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt. So God sees. Amen. Amen. Tell somebody God sees. I've seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and I've heard their cry. So God hears. God sees and God hears. Can can you understand that today? Whatever you're going through, whatever you're facing, wherever you are, no matter what stands up around you, understand God sees and he hears. And God acts. He says, I've seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and I've heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their suffering. Oh, that's a good word. God knows your suffering. And I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up to that land, to a good and broad land, and a land flowing with milk and honey. I need you to know today, God sees, God hears, God knows, and God acts. And he always acts for your benefit, for your good. Somebody say amen. So here's what I want you to see in just this story. God hears their groaning. He's attentive to their cries. And by the time they're enslaved and things start getting bad, he's already made a plan for their deliverance. Watch this. Look. He's already made a plan. One of the boys that the Pharaoh was trying to kill in the beginning of this, before they cried out, will eventually rise up and deliver God's people from under his reign. See, there's a love there that's so beautiful. God, who sees everything in its entirety. How many of you know, like, our, our lives are, like, from here to here? 
And God sees all of this. Right? Like, like our life right here, if we live to like 120, our lives are like this tile. And God sees this whole stage. So, so for us, something that happens here, from here to here, God's, God's already outside of that. And so God is already working on, God already sees. And so, listen, the, God's, he sees our needs before we tell them. Before they cried out, he's already working on their situation. Look at the setup, how crazy this is. Moses was born during that time. When they were supposed to throw every male into the Nile. And so Moses' parents hid him. Just like we probably would. Right? I mean, some of us, we get real ghetto about this. Right? We, we get gangster with it. Kill my kid. I'm not killing my kid. We get all kinds of crazy. So they hid him for three months. Three months. People are looking. Egyptian executioners, soldiers, guards are looking. For three months they hit him, but they knew they couldn't hide him anymore. And so it had to come to the point where they were going to trust God with the baby. Mm. So they put him in a basket. Not to die because they, they put the bad, they made that basket waterproof. That joint was like an ark. So they weren't giving up. They're saying, God, I'm going to surrender him to you. They put him in a basket that's sealed, that's floating, that's waterproofed. It has that thing that the guy on the boat puts, that black, you know, that you buy a scene on TV, that none of that stuff works. Right? They had that stuff. And they, and they lined it, and they put him in. Look at the setup. And so they put him in this basket, and they sent him downstream, and his sister is kind of walking alongside, pretending she's not, not there. But she's following the basket. And the basket comes to where the Pharaoh's daughter bathes in the Nile because they, they had this fascination with the Nile. The Nile had this, this mystic power to the Egyptians. We'll talk about that another, another time. And so the, the Pharaoh's daughter finds the baby, has compassion on him. If she was obedient to the Pharaoh, she would have taken him out of the basket and thrown him into the Nile because that's what they were told to do. That was the law of the land. She has compassion on him, and she calls for a Hebrew maid to nurse the baby. And so the sister standing by, and the sister says, oh, you want me to go get a maidservant to, to take care of the baby? And, and, and the Pharaoh's daughter said, yes, go get one. She goes to get Moses' mother. Come on, this is good. This is a God setup. So Moses' mom gets paid to nurse and raise her own baby. I mean, no, that's the first woman that got Section 8 welfare. For the, the first one. She got paid, public got paid to raise her own kid. Praise God. See, that's how God sets things up. Moses grows in the enemy's house with the best of everything. For a number of years, God deals with his heart and prepares him so that when his people come to the realization. See, so God set this up here so that by the time the people got here and they were worried and cried out, God already raised the deliverer. 
God's already trained this man. God's already, he sent him for 40 years into this place to, to deal with him. He was pride. God had to deal with him, break him down before he could build them up. All of this time, before you knew you were in trouble, God has raised your deliverer on, on another line. God's been raising the one that's going to save you so that when you realize you need saving, he could step in and, and, and oh man, oh man. So when they found themselves in an impossible situation and they understood that they needed God, the deliverer was already there because God had a plan for him. See, it's a foreshadowing of the gospel message in the, New, in, in the New Testament showing us here in the Old Testament. Since the beginning of creation, he already had a plan in place for our deliverance. None of you came here today by accident. Did you know that? Nobody showed up and God said, oh, snap, I didn't know he was coming today. Oh, snap. God never says, oh, snap. He, he knew. He knew whoever. He knew. Hey, those of you that came, there's a whole crew here with a baby dedication. He knew this is a setup. God set you up today. He said, it's a baby dedication. Yeah, okay, Whatever. I'm going to speak into your life because I love you. I set you up so I can pour into you. Amen? Whatever it is you're facing today, you might have come face to face with a tough situation. You might have a problem that, that, that you don't know what you're going to do about. You might gotta, you have a bill that you don't know how you're going to pay. You got a giant in your life you don't know how you're going to defeat. You, 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 I want to get it in your heart today. God is already there. He's already there. If we fast forward through what happens next, I'm going to show you the gospel message of, of Jesus on display in the Old Testament. This, that's, that's the message I already came to preach. Amen. So I, I want you to understand God's already there. No matter what you're going through, God's already there. I have... I have a whole uh, a bonus. I had a bonus Bible study that I had prepared. I wanted to continue that story because it's a great story. But we're going to do it another time because uh, a, a brother came to me this morning and told me I'm ready. And so I'm going to pause this and I'm going to bring my, my brother up right now. Come on. I want to let him, this Bible study, we'll, we'll, we'll do another time because it's good. It's real good. But um, I want you to introduce yourself and uh, give me a mic here, guys. Tell everybody what God's been, been up to. Good morning. I cut oh, the message short out. already, so, so you got time. Love you, bro. How you doing? My name is Adam. Some of you might recognize me as coming. Uh, my fiance brought me to this church, and I've been coming ever since. Uh, one of the things that uh, the pastor, supernatural has been something that sort of touched me kind of hard. A lot of you don't know, but the pastor, his wife, they all know for the past seven months, I've been through a lot. I had what uh, 
what's called a pulmonary embolism, but it was major pulmonary embolism to where they had to remove part of my right lung. Pastor came to the church, I mean to the hospital, him and his wife prayed over me. You know, my family prayed over me. My father's a deacon in a church. My mom, you know, we, we, I grew up in a church. So I do know the Lord. The one thing that was very fortunate was my family never told me the position I was in. The doctors every day told them, almost every day, he's probably not going to make it till tomorrow. They asked my family to donate my organs, everything. So my sister, very strong in the Lord also, she told the doctors, stop telling us this. We believe in something else. He's here because <laughs> medically he needs to be taken care of. But we believe in something else. We have a God that we pray to, and until God says it's over, it's not over. Come on. Come on. So I told Pastor, God has a way of working to talk back to you. Because I didn't find out until I was getting out of the hospital when that's when the family started to open up to me and tell me, you know, they've been saying you ain't going to make it, but you're fighting. You're fighting. You're going to make it. And I had to go through learning how to walk again and everything else. I didn't realize how difficult it was. Even my fiance said that the, the doctors told them. They don't understand. How is he dealing with the pain? He, the machines are showing he's in excruciating pain. The machines are showing that he should be in a coma right now. But he's up looking at us. He's up writing on the pads like I wrote the pastor. And I said something to him about the church. He's like, I can't wait to get back to church. He's like, listen, you get yourself together first. <laughs> the church will be there. Just to tell you how God works is uh, I got a few people here that I do know. They probably don't know I know. But we work under the same umbrella. I work for the NYPD. And I worked Friday, that Friday from 6.30, and I did overtime. I worked to 11.30. I felt fine. Saturday, I relaxed. Sunday was my uncle's birthday. Me and the family's at the cemetery. We go pay our respects. After that, Monday, I am fighting for my life. It just showed you how quick something can happen. But what I want to tell y'all is, my fiance, my family, I never spent a day alone in the hospital. My family was with me and prayed over me every day. The reason I felt the need to share my story, because one of the things that was always asked, and I asked God also, why did you save me? I didn't understand why. I didn't understand what makes me special that you... You let me live when all the doctors said I'm not supposed to be here. Even the doctors today, when I go to specialists, they read over my doctor's report and stare. And I go, yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. That's what I tell them. Because my doctor today even tells me, you're a walking miracle. 
So I want y'all to know that God does, no matter whatever situation you're going through. I went through a health situation. But I'm right now, I think when I finally came back and walked into church, I was about 70, 75%. I would say I'm about up to 80, 85% right now. But guess what? I don't look at it as a percentage of where I'm at. I look at it when I open my eyes that next day, that's the blessing that God gave me. It's a purpose for me to be here. Amen. Yeah. When pastor sits up here and he preaches out to us, it's a lot of times there's someone that guarantees that you feel like he's absolutely talking to you because he's talking your story. The reason I kept coming back with my fiance, it seems like every Sunday I come here, he's talking to me. So I decided that, and I didn't let him know this, that I'm going to join this church. There'll be no more going in my pocket pulling out money. I want an envelope. I want to feel like I belong. I want to get my TSF shirt and feel like I belong. But I just want to tell you in this, with this closing, no matter what you're going through in life, prayer, 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 prayer changes things. Amen. No matter what. And I thank you for letting me share my story. My man, good job. Yeah. Yeah, come on. Come on. Worship team, why don't you guys come up? He's already there. Amen? Whatever it is, he's already there. He's already made. See, the scripture says, while we were yet sinners, while we were yet ungodly. In other words, before we knew we were in trouble, before we called out, he already came to save us. Some of us are going through things right now, and if you're not right now, then hold on to this because you will. You're in a situation where you're scared to move. You're in a situation where you're scared to trust, you're scared to believe, you're scared to step out in faith, you're scared to answer the call of God. You're crying out in your own way like I was a teenager paralyzed with fear. And God is calling back to you today because that place that you're scared to be in, that place that you're scared to step into, Papi is already there. Amen? He's already prepared a place. He's already heard your cry. He's already paid your way. He's already working on your behalf. He's already prepared you for this. So can we just stand this, this morning? Can we just, I, I want you to rest today. I want you to find the peace and, and knowing that whatever situation you're in, he's there. He's already, today, if, if maybe you've never heard the, uh, the Father answer back to you, if maybe you, you've just been waiting to hear that voice so that you can feel comfort, you've just been waiting to hear that confirmation so that you can feel at rest, so that you can feel at peace, well, you heard it today. God is saying, I'm here. 
I'm here in a hospital when you're facing insurmountable odds that, that don't make sense, that everybody's looking at you. They, can you imagine? They're, they're asking what organs you want to give up already. Of a man that's alive. When he gave me that line before, I, I said, that want to punch somebody in the face, right? I'm alive, man. You counted me out already. You don't, know, you, you don't know who's in my corner. You don't know who's already there for me. You don't know who's been with me in the hospital, who's been with me when I cry, who's been with me when I'm scared, who's been with me when I feel alone, who's been with me to give me strength, to give me courage. You don't know who's there strengthening me and empowering me. Papi said he, I'm all right, that I'm good. Papi said he's there. If you need to, to make that stand today, come, come worship with us. If you need to, to step out of where you are today, if you need to break that, the, the paralysis of fear, sometimes the only way that we do that is we got to step out of that thing. So if you need to step out of that thing, do, do it in the physical today to show that you're doing it in the spiritual. Let, let all of, of, of hell quake this afternoon because something in you shook. Because something in you got broken, something in you got moved and got too encouraged to stay still. If, you, if you're too encouraged to stay still, do something about it today. Come on, let's worship. Amen, amen. Yes, Yeah. Uh -huh.
hands today. If you know, if you believe that God is surrounding you here today, or if you need that presence of God in your life today, I want to give you that opportunity today to do that. If this message has spoken to you as it has to my brother many and many times, if you came here and you feel that God is speaking to me right now, my story knows where I'm at. It's like if somebody told the pastor what I'm going through. If that's you, I want to give you opportunity to have this peace in your life. Hallelujah. God bless. It's funny, when I was in the back, I kept hearing, uh, you know, the great psalms is Michael Jackson. That song is, it goes, um, oh, call my name and I will be there. Just call my name and I will be there. Sometimes we feel like there's so much uh, things we got to do in order to see what we're going through to be accomplished. But all it takes is to call on the name of Jesus in those times. Just like my brother was giving a testimony, just call on the name of Jesus. When you can't walk, when you're stumbling, when the world is, is, is coming on you strong, when you feel like stones are being thrown at you, and you're bruised and battered, and you're trying to walk this life, and you're like, how do I get to the next step? How do I move forward? Just call on the name of Jesus and he'll be right there in your circumstance. Right there to empower you, to get you through. You can hear many testimonies of how God came through for many people. And how he's faithful. Just call on the name of Jesus right now. Whatever you're going through. Even when you go home and you're going through something. Just call on the name of Jesus and see how he'll be right in the midst of your situation. Amen. Lord God, I just thank you, Lord God, for your presence, Jesus. I thank you when we call out to you, just like Pastor was saying, when we call Papi, that you don't get upset when you wake up, you're not asleep, you know, you slumber. When you come to us, you're not angry, Father God, but you're right there to listen to us. You're right there to comfort us, Lord God. You're right there to speak life into us. You're right there to show us the way to go, to empower us, Lord, to heal us. To give us breakthrough and miracles, Lord God, when we call upon you. So, Father, as we call upon your name, as your people call out to you, as your people um, um, cry out to you, we know, Father God, you'll be right there in the midst, Father God, to get us through. So I thank you, Lord God, as your people call out to you and call your name, Jesus, that you will do miracles, Lord God, in this season, Lord God. Miracles for things that seem impossible, where we're defeated in our hearts and hopeless in our hearts. Thinking that, how can we get to the next day? Or how can I overcome this? Or it's impossible. I tried that already. I thank you, Jesus, as we call upon your name, Father God. You will not disappoint us, Lord God. But you make a way in the darkness, Father God. You show us the way out of every situation that's, that the enemy brings to destroy us and to suffocate us, Lord God. Because you are faithful, Father. So as we leave this place, Father God, and we call Papi when we need you. Papi, help us. Papa, Papa, get us through this situation, Father God. You'll get us through, Lord God. I thank you, Lord God, for your love and your mercy. I thank you for your faithfulness to us, Lord God. I thank you for the next day to come and the next step that we're going to take, that our miracle awaits us, Father God, in the impossible, Lord. I thank you for the hearts that are crying out for things 
that say, when are you going to do this, Father? When are you going to come through, Father? When are you going to answer this? You know what I have to go through this week. You know what I await this week. I thank you that you have already prepared a way out and an answer for us, Lord God. A miracle stands for us, awaiting for us to enter into it, Lord. I just want to say that right now. In your season, this, the things that you're going through, you're waiting for a miracle, just walk forward. Your miracle awaits you. It's not waiting right here. It's waiting ahead of you to enter into what God has for you. So when you go to work and you wait for provision, I, I have asked things to the Lord, like, Lord, get me out of this situation somehow. I don't know how. Next thing you know it, I can't go to that place or I can't do that. God has a miracle waiting for you, but he's waiting for you there. He's waiting for you there, not back there in the past, but in the future, he's waiting for you. So walk this out, knowing that your father's with you everywhere you go. And your miracle is awaiting you. Everything you ask him, even the craziest things in your mind, that you're saying, Lord, how can I get out of this situation? Or, or when are you going to come through? When are you going to pay that bill? It's awaiting you already. Walk in the fullness that Papi is with you. And she heard your cry already. And as you walk it out, God awaits you for your miracle. Amen? So, Father, I pray for traveling mercies over your people. I pray that we walk in peace, knowing that you are faithful to us, and you're not going to let us down, Jesus. You're not going to let us down. Amen? Amen.